But this whole month we've been doing, talking about our vision of the church. The first week of August, we, we did our launch Sunday where we launched our new logo and talked about the vision of this church. And we're trying to clarify and specify the vision. Uh, the vision of this church is to win souls and to make disciples. And uh, by that we're saying we're trying to, we want to help add people to the family of God and for the family of God to be raised up and discipled. That's why we do everything we do here at New Hope. And uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the core values of the church, the mission or the outworking of that vision in this church. Uh, we, Pastor Bone preached on connection a couple weeks ago. That was the week that the LED, the LED wall just wouldn't work. We had a power outage and the devil tried to stop us, but he didn't. It's one of the best weeks we've had here in a long, long time. And so we're thankful that God, God always comes in when the devil tries to stop you. The, devil, uh, the Lord comes in and makes it even better. And so uh, we're thankful for that. Last week I preached on serving as another core value of the church. And today I'm going to talk about the last core value of the church, which is growing. And talk to you about growing in our, in our faith and in our walk with Jesus. How many of you know that it's God's desire for each and every one of us to grow in our faith? In fact, you know, we're, we're on this journey and uh, we're all called to grow from wherever we are. We're not all at the same place on this journey. Some of us have been Christians for a long, long, long time and we're further along. And, uh, but there's always that opportunity for us to grow. God never wants us to just settle in. He's always looking for us to to take the next step in our faith. And that's actually the title of my sermon today is Next Steps. Because no matter where we are, whether we're just starting this journey or whether we're way, way down the road, there's always a next step that God would have for us. And that's the language we're using around here when we talk about growing. It's about next steps. There's, you know, baptism this morning. That was a next step for those 16 people. They gave their hearts to Jesus and they said, my next step, I want to I show, uh, have a public display of my love and dedication to Jesus. That was their next step. For some of you, you may have got baptized 40, 50, 60 years ago, so that wouldn't be a next step for you, but we all have those next steps. And I want to start with sharing a, a verse with you out of the Word of God. It's, it's out of 2 Peter in verse 13, or, uh, chapter 3 and verse 18. Peter says, but grow, everyone say, but grow. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him, everyone say to him, be glory and power forever, and amen. Next step. So, so God is always wanting us to grow, to go to that next level of intimacy and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning as we get going on the on this sermon time? Father God, we just thank you so much for this wonderful day. God, we thank you for all those that were baptized today. We just ask you to bless them, especially today, that this would be a momentous occasion in their walk with you, God. We thank you for their dedication to you and the public display. And Father, we just want to bless each and every person that's here today. I pray that as, as I bring your word, God, that, it, that the words that are from you would, would penetrate our hearts and do the work that it was set out to do. And I pray you'd seal it in our lives today by your Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory and all the praise. You're the only one that deserves any of it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. So, you know, life is a series of steps, right? We're talking about next steps. Life is a series of steps, or you could say life is a series of stages that we go through in our life. We're talking about physically, emotionally, psychologically. You know, physically, you start off as, a, as an unborn baby in the womb, then you become a baby, then you become a toddler, and then you become a young adolescent, a teenager, then you become a young adult, then a middle-aged adult, senior adult, and on and on and on. And we go through those stages, and we we can't skip any of those stages, can we? Because that's the way God designed it. He also designed us to grow in our maturity as we get older, too. It's the reason that five-year-olds are not allowed to drive cars on their street. Can I get an amen to that? 
We're not mature enough to be doing some of the things we can do as we're older. We go through stages in life. And as much as we would like to skip stages, as much as my uh, middle child would like to think that she is a, as smart as a middle-aged adult, we're not at that place when we're teenagers, are we? We have to go through those stages in life. Well, our faith walk is the same way. Our faith is meant to be progressive and progress in stages in our life. Now, it's, it's not that way across the board in every area of our walk. Sometimes God does miraculous things and, and, and expedites the things in our life quicker. But as a whole, our life, our Christian life is about stages. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who was probably the greatest apostle to ever live, in his second letter to the Corinthians, look what he says in chapter 5 and verse 7. He says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. That implies that we're in a process. That implies that we are uh, progressing as we live out this life of faith. Because he says we're walking by faith. He doesn't say that we slingshot by faith. He doesn't say that we jet or we rocket by faith. We walk by faith. And when you receive salvation, when you become a follower of Jesus, you enter into a series of processes and stages in your life to where you are, where God's plan for you, his desire for you, is that you would walk out this faith, that you would continue to take next steps in your life to progress, to get to that place of like what Peter is saying there in that, that my first verse this morning, that we would grow in knowledge of Jesus and that that would bring him glory. That's God's plan for each and every one of us in our life. And, you know, there's, there's a couple exceptions when it comes to the, the progression. You know, when we talk about salvation, that's not a process. That's not a progress. You don't have to do a bunch of things to become saved, right? We're thankful for that. We, if we, the Bible tells us if we come to Jesus, if we confess that he is Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Can I get an amen for that? We don't have to go through a, a list of things. We don't have to go through a school or a bunch of classes to get to where we're finally saved. We can come to him as we are in that moment. We are saved when we give our hearts to him and we ask him to come and dwell inside of us. Same thing is with forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is not something that you have to pay penance and do all these things to get God to forgive you. The Bible's very, very clear. First John 1, 9, one of the best verses in all the Bible. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say if we confess our sins and then to make sure we stop doing it and make sure we read 10 chapters in our Bible and do all these things, it happens instantaneously. But those are the exceptions that kind of prove the rule because life is more about a process. It's more about taking steps daily and progressing in our walk and in our maturity and in our faith in God. And you know, a lot of how we proceed is up to us. A lot of how much we grow in our Christian life is up to us. Now, I know that goes against some of the the, the thoughts we have in our heads sometimes, like, oh, no, it's all about the Holy Spirit working in us. It's all about him doing his work in our heart. And I could not agree more. It's absolutely about him working in our heart. But we have to respond to that work that he's doing in our heart. There's a response from us when God works in our heart to help us to grow. It's, it's imperative upon us to not just think that God's just going to lift us up and we're just going to float and everything's going to be okay and all the worries and all the stresses and all the troubles in our life are just going to melt away because we're spirit-filled spirit and we just love God. That's not how it works. He tells us that we have to respond to his working in our heart. And we have a lot more power in our own hands to grow in our walk than a lot of us realize. And to some of you, that might even sound scary. Like, I don't want to have the power. I want God to do it. Well, God's saying, I will do it through you, but you have to respond to my leading and my calling. And, you know, for those of you that are destination-driven or, or task-oriented, 
this is a very tough concept for us to think that, that we have to just progress daily, kind of a, a grind almost, if you will, in our Christian walk. Because if you're, if you're somebody, I'm, I can be very task-oriented. I'm, I'm people-oriented, but I'm also very task-oriented, and I like to get stuff done. And I like to get stuff done because I like to be able to say, yeah, that's finished. You know, I like to attack a list. I'm, I'm telling you people, I love to cross things off my list. And when I say I love it, I mean I love it. It feels so good. It doesn't even have to be a paper list or a digital list. It can just be in my head to know, yes, that is done. It's behind me. It's over. And to think that, that I, I just want to get to that place where I've just kind of arrived and I'm done with my list, and then I can just sit back and chill and relax. And that's great. That serves us well in life. It'll serve you well in your career. It'll serve you well at home. You know, I don't procrastinate on mowing my yard. If it needs mowed, I'm going out there and mowing it because I want it to be done and behind me so I can kick back and relax. And it can serve you well in your career. You know, we, we work towards retirement. We're working towards uh, trying to get things done and get money saved so we can get to that place where we don't have to work like a dog every day and we don't have to work until they put us in a coffin, you know? So that works in the, in the natural life and in our normal life, but it doesn't work in our faith. It's never a point of where we can say, if I can just get enough spiritual tasks done, then I can arrive. And I can just be there, and I can just enjoy the fruits of my labor, so to speak. It's not meant to be that way. And you know why it's not meant to be that way? Is because God doesn't ever want us to get to a place to where we don't need his grace and his mercy. He never wants us to get to where we think, man, God, I'm good. I don't, I don't need you anymore because I've, I've done all you asked me to do, and I've com- completed all your spiritual tasks. I've done everything that I'm called to do, so now I'm just going to sit and relax and enjoy the rest of my life now. God's saying, no, I, I don't, you're never going to arrive in your Christian walk until that day that we meet him face to face. And that's not until we leave this life and go to the next life. That's when we will have arrived. So until that day, and I can promise you 100% of us in this room have not reached that day yet or at least not that moment. So we have not arrived, and so our job, our, our goal, our process in life is to continue to grow in our faith and in our walk with him. And I want to challenge you today because I think for so many of us, especially as American Christians, we're so blessed in this nation. It's such a wonderful thing. But we can become so blessed that we can actually kind of try to create um, parameters in our life, whether it's financial or relational or even emotional parameters in our life to where we can set it up to where we feel like if I work hard enough and I'm diligent enough and I do the things I need to do enough, I can kind of create this safe space where I almost don't even need to really have faith in God. We can do that as Christians. I know because I've been there, especially when it comes to finance and when it comes to money. We think if, if I could just set it all up, if I can save enough, if I get my 401k to reach this point, to where I can retire, then I can just live on my, that for the rest of my life. I really don't even have to trust God for my finances anymore. I mean, I'll say I will, but I really don't have to because I know my 401k is going to do okay. My savings account's good. I got real estate. Whatever it is, we can, we can get in that, that mindset where we're trying to create this zone where we almost don't have to have a whole lot of faith, except for salvation. We know we're not going to get to heaven by works, so we need him for our salvation. But beyond that, Jesus, I, I think I'm okay over here. I'll let you know if I need you. And God would say that He is not the God for those of us that are trying to eliminate faith from the equation. I'll say it again. He is not the God for those of us that are trying to eliminate faith from the equation. The purpose of our next steps, the purpose of walking this walk of faith is that we need him every step along the way. We need him every step. There's never a day, there's never a moment, there's never a time in our life where we'll get to that place where we just don't need him anymore. And if we think we're there, we've deceived ourselves. Because your 401k could disappear like that. 
Your job could disappear like that. Your health could disappear like that. Everything we have could be gone in the blink of an eye. And I'm not some fear monger trying to scare everybody, but I'm telling you, there's never a point in our life where we can reach where we could say, I don't need faith anymore. Jesus, thank you. I mean, thank you for getting me to this place. Now I don't really need you. Thanks for, I'll let you know if I need you. It's never meant to be that way. God wants us always, always, always to be growing and to be looking to him. So you might say, what does growth look like? Because sometimes it's hard to quantify what growth in a Christian's life actually looks like. Well, I can tell you today, it, I believe it's visible. I think it should be visible to us. Yourself, you know if you're growing, for the most part. Those close to you know if you're growing. If you don't know if you're growing or not, ask somebody that's really close to you. Ask a spouse, a sibling. Ooh, don't ask a sibling. They're too honest. <laughs> ask somebody close to you, like, hey, am I, am I growing more than, am I at a better place than I was two years ago? And see what they say, and they'll tell you. But we should start looking different as we grow in our faith, right? Not physically. Praise God for that. Salvation, the Christian faith, is not just for beautiful people. I'm thankful for that. But we should start to look different in how we act. We should look different in how we react to things in our life. We should, we should respond differently as we grow. We should be responding in a better way to stress, to things that could make us anxious. We should be growing something that would cause you a ton of anxiety five years ago. If you're growing today, it won't cause you as much anxiety because you're learning how to trust him. You know, how we respond to frustration in life, how we respond to having to wait 45 minutes for a chicken sandwich in a drive-thru. Did anybody do that this week? Nobody's willing to admit it. Just Gary. All right. Gary did it. Was it worth it? It was worth it. All right. <laughs> But you know, we should be responding differently when we have situations where we have that impatience. If you're 60 years old and you've been saved for 35 years and you have road rage, something's wrong, right? Something is wrong. I'm not saying we don't get frustrated behind the wheel. I'm there. We get it. But to, ha but to have that uncontrollable, like you just can't control your temper. If you've been saved a long time, you are not growing and something's missing in your life. We are called to grow in every aspect. And I know sometimes it's easy to get discouraged because maybe we don't even notice if we're growing or not. Maybe you do have to ask your spouse or your sibling, hey, am I growing? Because sometimes it's hard for us to see our own growth because it does typically happen kind of slowly. You know, it's in, it's in process. We're, like I said, this is a walk. It's not a jet. It's not a catapult. It's a walk of faith. So sometimes we have to be reminded of the fact that we have grown. And you know, the best way to remind ourselves of how we've grown is to look back in our journey and see where God's been faithful behind us to see what God has done for us in the past to remind us that he is faithful and he's going to be faithful for the things in front of us. Let me share with you a little bit about the story of David. I know last week I shared the story about David and Goliath a little bit. I'm going to share a little bit more about it today because I believe it's very relevant and sometimes we can miss it. But you know, David, before he was king, he was still a shepherd boy. His brothers were in the war with, against the Philistines, fighting the war, and his dad, Jesse, came to David and said, hey, take some food to your brothers on the front lines. So David took some food, went to the front lines, and that's where he actually found out about Goliath. Goliath was coming out every day and taunting the children of Israel, daring them to come fight him. And they were all terrified, wouldn't do it. So when David gets out there to give the food to his brothers, they tell him what's going on. This guy's coming out and taunting him. And, and David says, I'll fight him. And the, the soldiers are like, David, you don't get it. I mean, you're just a, you're just a kid. You're not going to be able to fight this guy. And, and they, they finally, they bring Saul to him, the king. And David says, I want to go fight this guy. And the king says... The king says, David, you, you, you can't fight this guy. He is a champion warrior. 
and he's nine feet tall. There's no way you can fight this guy. Look at David's response in 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 and 35 and then 37. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. He's talking about himself there. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and killed it. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David was reminded of what God has done for him in the past to show him that he will be faithful in the future, that he will be faithful in that situation that's right in front of him. And we all have a Goliath in front of us in our life. It may not be today, but it's coming if you don't have one right now. But you also have a lion and a bear that you've defeated in the past that God would want to remind you of. When we see that situation in front of us and say, I just don't understand how God's even going to be able to be faithful in this situation. It's, it's, over, it's going to overwhelm me. I'm getting anxious and stressed out, and, and I just don't know what I'm going to do. How is God going to be faithful in this? I don't even understand how he can do it. What you need to do is you need to look back and see, oh, yeah, I remember that back there. I thought the same thing, and look at me. I'm still here. I'm still standing. So God will want us to look in the past steps that we've taken in this journey to have faith for the next steps in front of us. That's what he did for David right there. David said, I killed a lion and a bear. They're, they're, just as, they're more vicious than Goliath. God was faithful here. He's going to be faithful there. What God calls you to, when he calls you to that next step, he's going to be faithful in that step, whatever that step is. And we have to remember, yeah, I, I have grown because I remember what happened back here. I, Joy and I do that sometimes. If we're dealing with a situation, we'll look back and say, you know what? God was faithful here. Why, wouldn't he, why would he bring us all the way to this point just to drop the ball here? That's not our God. We're not serving a God that, that helps us sometimes and other times he doesn't. Now, it doesn't always, he doesn't always help us the way we want him to help us, but he always shows up. He's always faithful. He's faithful in the way he wants to be faithful to us, and we can trust that and stand on that. That is what growth looks like. Now, sadly, negative growth is also a very real thing. You know, some of us, we've started out well, but we've just kind of eroded, and we're actually taking steps backwards. And this is much more subtle, too, in our life. It's very subtle. Some of us are dying spiritually and don't even realize it, church. Some of us are literally dying spiritually and we don't realize it because it's subtle. And the enemy, he gets that negative growth in our life and he does it in a way, he does it for the purpose of destroying us or at the very least making us ineffective. And that's what he would want to do. And, you know, it's interesting because when you talk to, talk to people that, have, that deal with addiction, no matter what the addiction is, Pretty much every time what you'll hear that person say is, I don't know how I got here. I don't even know how I got to this place where I've allowed this to control my life. And, you know, somebody on the outside looking in, you know, you can, you can kind of tell them, well, I know how you got here. You started off by making a, a, a bad decision, and then you took another step and made another bad decision. Then you took another step, made another bad decision, and you just, you, they compile on top of each other. Next thing you know, you're in a place you never thought you'd be. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, I think tonight I'm going to try to get addicted to pornography. Sounds like a good thing. Nobody does that. Or to drugs, or whatever it is. But yet, it's, it's something that's subtle. It happens slowly in our life, and we don't even realize that we're dying spiritually. But we have to be very wary of that and understand that just as much as growth forward it can be slow, growth backwards can be slow too until it gets us to that place that we don't even know how we got there. Now, I want to, I want to talk to you about uh, three catalysts for growth this morning. I want to give you some, some principles of how we can grow in our Christian walk. And the first one is effort. 
To have growth in our life requires effort from us. I kind of mentioned that at the front end here, that, that there's power in our hands to bring growth in our life. We have to be willing to put some effort forward to really be able to grow in our life. And I know for some of us, sometimes we might think, well, you know, I, I just think maybe God and his mercy is just going to somehow help me to grow, even if I don't do a whole lot. I'm just going to trust him, and he's just going to help me to grow. You know, and as I age, you know, I'll just grow in my faith and in my maturity. And I'm here to tell you today that age does not equal growth. It just doesn't. And I bet we all know somebody that has lived a long life, even as a Christian, but you, but there isn't a, you haven't seen a whole lot of growth in their life. Age does not equal growth. We cannot be... Don't you let yourself be deceived in thinking, well, just as I grow older, I'll just get more mature and, and, and have more wisdom because it, the, the age doesn't equal that. In fact, look at, look at the verse from the writer of Hebrews in chapter 6 and verse 1, the first part of verse 1. It says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings, the beginning teachings of Christ, and in our faith... And let us move, be taken forward to maturity. It, it's up to us, church. It's up to us whether or not we're going to grow. We can stay there and, and drink milk our whole life and be anemic. But the Bible here is telling us that we need to take the steps to move past the elementary teachings and grow in our maturity. How many of you know somebody that really needs to meditate on that verse? <laughs> that you really wish would meditate on that verse? Maybe, maybe we need to meditate on that verse a little more, right? Look what it says in 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. It says, For this very reason, make every effort. Everyone say, make every effort. To add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Boy, that's a lot of next steps, isn't it? Then he gives the Why? For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that's growing, if you grow in these qualities, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be nearsighted and blind. I don't want to forget the fact that I've been cleansed from my sins. He's saying here, it's up to us to make sure that we add to our faith, that we take these steps to add to our faith. Don't be deceived by the lie that you're just going to somehow grow. It's just going to somehow work out because God's just going to do it. It's, there's an effort that's required on our part. You know, Noah was saved from the flood, but he still had to build the boat. Think about that. God saved Noah. Everybody says God saved Noah from the flood. Yes. Destroy the whole world, but he saved Noah. Well, Noah built the boat. God didn't just plop a boat down on the ground and say, here you go, Noah. He had to put forth effort. He had to, put, he had to, put, had to respond by his, to his faith by actually doing something. And God would say the same thing to each one of us. He will, he will empower us and he will, he will bless us and our efforts, but we have to put forth an effort to actually grow in our faith in him. You know, one of the, one of the things that we... Uh, when we think about putting forth effort to growing, one of the things we provide here at the church is our encounter weekends. You know, you saw the video from Erica, testimonies of people that have gone through encounters. They're countless. We've been doing these encounters for, I think, 15 years. I've been helping to work them for about 10 or 12. I went through one myself. They're, they're so powerful, so amazing. 
And yet, so many of us are, are, refuse to do something like that because it's a little bit scary. But that is a next step for us in taking an effort to growing in our life. There's always growth that comes out of a weekend encounter. They're so wonderful. If, if you haven't been here, you don't know. These are just, uh, we do these every year in September. Uh, next, sun, next weekend is the women's encounter. They go off-site and go somewhere for a couple days. The, and the following weekend, the men are here at the church having our encounter. And then the following weekend, the youth will have theirs. And it's just about getting away and getting with God and just focusing on Him. There's teaching, there's prayer, there's worship. It's just a wonderful, wonderful weekend. But yet we can make excuses all day to not put that effort forth to taking that next step, can't we? I, I hear them all, all the time. Some of them are, some, some guys work pretty hard to come up with good ones, and some just don't have the effort to even put in good ones, you know? I know college football starts, and it'll be in full force by the time men's encounter is. But you know what? I looked at the schedule. Georgia is playing Arkansas State the weekend of our encounter. Okay? They're going to win by 75 points. Scrubs are going to be in by the second quarter. It's going to be a joke. So the men, men you have no excuse. If you're a South Carolina fan, I looked at theirs too. They're playing Alabama, so they're going to lose by 75 points. All right? So you don't want to see that either. It'll just make you mad. So men, there's no reason not to come to encounter in two weeks. Women, I look next weekend, Target has no sales. No sales at Target. I think the mall's shut down, closed for the weekend. So we, we, we have to be willing to put forth that, forth that effort to grow in our life. And the Encounter Weekend's a wonderful way to do it. Connect groups are another wonderful way. I mean, I'm plugging stuff here, but it's because we believe in it. It's why we do it. It's why we don't just have church on Sunday morning. We don't believe that's enough. And if we're going to be a church that really wants to see our people grow, then we're going to provide opportunities for that growth. So our connect groups, we invest a lot of resources and time and energy into our connect groups because we believe in them. That's a next step for some of you that have just never been willing to do it, but that's an effort. You know, I know it's a sacrifice to, to come out on an evening, a Wednesday or Thursday or wherever, and to come to a group like that, but it's worth it because it helps us to grow. Dream team is another way to grow. You know, I know that's a serving thing too. We talked about dream team last week, but you know, dream team, you serve, but you also grow because you're in that community with those, with those people. And so with dream team, you actually get a twofer, serving and growing. What a blessing, right? And all the dream teamers said, Amen. Amen. So let's make the effort to, to grow. All right. Next one is dedication. Dedication is about commitment. That's how we grow. If we're committed to our God, baptism is a form of dedication. It's showing everybody that we're dedicated to Jesus. That's the next step for some people. If you've never been baptized, I, I implore you, please get baptized. It's a wonderful experience. I remember my baptism from 30 years ago. It was a beautiful thing, a wonderful day. God, Jesus tells us to be saved, get baptized. You know, that might be a next step for you. It, but it just shows our dedication. We are called to not just give Jesus our scraps. Amen? We're not, we're not supposed to, our life is not our own anymore. Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus purchased our life with a price. So it's not our own. So if we say we are followers of Jesus, then we have to know that, well, my life's not my own anymore. I'm dedicated to him. I'm dedicated to him. He calls us to give him the main course, not the scraps. He, he actually demands that of us. He says, you have to take up your cross and follow me. It's about, it's about being completely devoted and dedicated to him. And I, I will say that dedication looks like devotion to prayer and to Bible reading, you know, consistently. Too many of us just avoid prayer because, you know, maybe you think it's boring. But I'm telling you, we're able to, we have access into communicating with the creator of the entire universe at any moment we want to. 
because of what Jesus did for us. We can, we can talk to God. And here's the thing, church, he listens. He's not like our friends. He actually listens. He's not trying to scroll through social media while he's listening to us, trying to, to multitask. He's listening to us, and he's begging us. He's saying, come, just come, sit at my feet. And I would, t- I would suggest if you think that prayer is boring, you're doing it wrong, okay? He is there. We, we have to have that perspective, and that mindset that when I'm talking to God, I'm, I'm not just talking to somebody, I'm talking to God. It's a powerful thing. But we, we, if we're really dedicated to him, we have to be talking to him. You know, I've never, I don't know any marriages where the spouse is like, yeah, talk to her on Sunday mornings and we're, that's pretty much it. We're pretty good. It doesn't work, does it? You can't be in a relationship with someone or show dedication to someone by talking to them once a week or before meals only. And with the Bible reading, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to stand up here and browbeat everybody about reading their Bible, but let me tell you, this is the word of God. Amen. This is the word of God. You know, in the last 2,000 years, the only thing in this universe that has not changed is this. That's it. That's it. Nothing else hasn't changed. This is constant. It will be for, it'll remain forever. The words of Jesus will remain forever. The words of God will remain forever. This is a beautiful thing. I hear people say all the time, oh, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. Oh, I just want to know what God wants. Oh, I want to hear from him. You know what I tell them most of the time? It's right here. It's right here. Now, does God speak to us outside of this? Of course he does. But I'm telling you, 90% of the time God speaks to me, it is right here. But it's not just because I open it every once in a while to try to find something that I can manipulate into saying that that's God speaking to me. It's because I'm in it every stinking day. I'm in it every day. I'm devouring this thing every day because this is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How do I know the heart of God? How do I know who he is if I'm not consuming this? We have to be consuming this. And I promise you, if you will put this word in your heart, it will push out a lot of the stuff that doesn't need to be in your heart. You know, the Bible says, I have hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. You want help not sinning against God? Get this in your heart. And if you will plant yourself in the soil of God's word, I promise you, you will grow. I promise you, you will grow. Be dedicated to reading the word and getting in it. Because, because Sunday mornings... And what the scriptures we put up on this screen is not enough for any of us to really know God and to, to be dedicated to him. All right, and then lastly, and I'm, I'm almost done, I promise. Lastly is sacrifice. This is a catalyst for growth in our life. There is no growth without sacrifice in the Christian life. You know why? Because Jesus set the standard. He sacrificed everything. He sacrificed everything for you and me. And so he says, I want you to sacrifice for me and for others. And we will not grow if we don't sacrifice. And I can tell you that the sacrifices we make as believers are real. They're real. And sometimes they hurt. You know, we have to sacrifice things. We have to make decisions based on the fact that our goal is to glorify God, not to satisfy our, our sinful, sinful fleshly nature. You know, as believers, we can't, we can't make our decisions based on the same, the same criteria that the world makes their decisions on. You know, as believers, we have to sacrifice. We don't get to just use our money exactly how we want to. We have to consider God and how we use our money. Sometimes that requires sacrifice. You know, the, the pleasures even that we enjoy, some of the movies that the world says are the greatest movies ever and everybody has to go see it, sometimes as believers, we can't go see them because we know that's not going to help me one bit. And there's stuff in that movie I don't need to be seeing with these eyes. Sometimes we have to sacrifice. And then when your friend says, hey, did you see that movie? And you have to say no and you feel stupid. But, but sacrificing 
because we know that we want to grow is much more important than caving in and getting to see something that really doesn't matter or make a hill of beans, right? But we have to make sacrifices, whether it's financial or relational or our time, our energy. Sacrificing for the Lord is, is something that helps us grow. Look what Paul said in Romans 12 and 1. He said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. He's not saying that just because he just wants us to be, you know, to sacrifice. He's saying that that's, that's an act of worship. He's saying, and before, you know, the verse before this, because it says, therefore, in, in chapter 12, verse 1, the verse right before this says that for him, uh, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. So he's saying, therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, because he's worth it, because he deserves the glory. He deserves everything. He bought our lives. He, he deserves us giving everything that we are to him and even making sacrifices for him and for his name's sake because it will help to further his kingdom and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world and into the people that we know and love that we are in life, doing life with. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I, as I close. If you don't stand, I'll never close. This is the first of my four closings. Just kidding. You know, I started by saying that we're on a journey. And when I, when I think of a journey... I can, I can think about, it just took my mind to like driving a car, you know, because the reason you get in a car is to go somewhere, right? I'm going to make a spiritual parallel here that you'll probably catch. But, you know, for the most part, when you get in a car, it's not to just sit in the car out in the driveway. It's to actually go somewhere. And, uh, you know, Columbia County traffic is becoming insane. We know that. It, it'll test even the most seasoned Christians' patience. And... Uh, you know, we live out on, not far off of exit 190, and, uh, you know, we've been living out there. We moved out there 13 years ago. There was a gas station, uh, an old abandoned gas station, and a Waffle House. And now it's basically the center of the universe. <laughs> it's where the Kroger, the new Kroger, the Chick-fil-A, all that stuff. And uh, so traffic right in that area, especially in the morning, is rough. And... Uh, you know, I, I definitely don't have road rage, but I can be a little bit of an aggressive driver. It's just kind of my nature. It's not because I'm mad. It's just because I'm, you know, I kind of know where I want to go and I want to get there. And uh, so when I'm, you know, when I'm at a light and you see somebody two or three cars up and the light turns green and they sit there for a minute, you know, you have that thought of, you know, I want to honk the horn a little bit, but try to be Christian about it and wait. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was, that exact thing happened and the person in front was distracted probably on on Instagram or something on their phone, which is breaking the law, by the way. And uh, they didn't go. And so I'm thinking, okay, how long do I wait? You know, how long do I wait? Three seconds, five seconds. I don't remember how long I waited, but I finally just kind of mm, tapped the horn. You know, I wanted to, mm. <laughs> but I have a new hope sticker on the back of my car, so I can't do that. Um, unless there's nobody behind me, I guess. <laughs> so the person went then, but you know, I just got to thinking, you know, when we're in a car going on a journey, if we're sitting at a green light, and we're not going anywhere, we're missing the purpose for why we're even in the car. We're missing the purpose for why, what we're doing. We're actually supposed to be going somewhere. And when the light's green, but we're not going, whether it's two seconds or 20 seconds or 10 minutes, we are completely outside of the purpose for why we're even in that vehicle. And I think of, you know, in our life, the purpose for us, we're in this vehicle of life, and we are, we're, we're living our life as a follower of Jesus. And he's taken us on this walk of faith, 
not by sight, but it is a walk of faith. And we're going along on this journey. If we're sitting still at a green light, we are missing the purpose for why we're here. We're missing the purpose for the journey that we're on. And not only that, if there's people behind you, you're actually affecting their journey as well because you're holding them up. You know, each one of us has influence in lives in the people in our life. And if we are sitting still, not taking our next step, there's a good chance we're keeping people that we have influence over from being able to take their next step. You know, we had a, couple, we had a mom here today that got baptized and her kids got baptized too. That's no coincidence. They saw their mom taking that next step. They said, I, I want to take it too because she has influence over them. They had a couple families doing that today. So if we're not going forward and taking our steps, we're keeping people in our life from getting to where God wants them to. Because I'm telling you, church, people are watching to see how you respond in faith to your situations. It's either going to build them up or it's going to tear them down. So I'm here to tell you today that the light is green. The light is green. The light is green, church. Go. Take that next step, whatever it is. It may be just a tiny step. I promise, though, the steps, as you take them, they get easier and easier. As you start to build on that faith, you start to think, David was like Goliath. He's nothing. I took out a bear and a lion with my bare hands. And he's going he's gonna to suffer the same fate. And he sure did. Our faith builds as we take steps. But your faith doesn't build if you're just standing still. You're causing a traffic jam. And you're making good Christians behind you get really frustrated and want to blow their horn. So let's, let's go. The light's green. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray for us today. Let's pray. God, we thank you today that the light is green. We thank you that your spirit empowers us to live for you. It empowers us to do the work that you called us to do. God, I, I know that each and every one of us has a next step that you want us to take. Whether we're eight years old or 80, we have a next step. Would you reveal that step to each and every one of us, God? Would you reveal it to our hearts. Show us, Lord, where we've been scared. Show us where we've maybe just been selfish. Show us where we've been distracted so that we can take that step. Because, God, we want to grow. We want to grow in you. We don't want to be ineffective, unpro unproductive, stagnant in our faith. We want to have faith to move mountains. We want to have faith to be able to tackle the Goliaths in our life where we can look at those, those Goliaths and say, God can do this. God can do this. This isn't too big for him. He's going to use me. God, help us to walk that out. Would you seal your work that you're done in our hearts today by your spirit? Lord, we just come today in faith, believing that you are going to move on our behalf, that you're going to open our eyes and help us to make the effort that we need to make, to be dedicated, and to make the sacrifices that you would call us to make. And we'll trust you We'll worship you, we'll honor you, and we praise you, Lord. You're the only one worthy of it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Do you receive that today? Praise God.